Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, why get a comprehensive diagnosis if you've got ADHD? With us in our virtual studio is Dr. Sarah Shayette. I want to get into the content of the show, but first, um, our program is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And in celebration of that event, we are anxious to give away free copies, digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, listen to our show. We'll share a secret word. Write it down. Listen to another show. Uh, there'll be another secret word. Write that down. All you have to do is email me those two secret words, and the process will be started. Uh, my email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. Again, attention at attentiontalkradio.com. Um, we have a little uh, tip we want to share with you from Chad, and then we will get into the meat of the show. Are you a young adult newly diagnosed with ADHD or who is transitioning to independent adulthood? We know all too well the highs and lows that come with independently managing your ADHD. Chad's Adult to Adult Education and Training Program offers self-paced and on-demand training courses to support you in living and thriving with adult ADHD. To learn more, visit us at chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So on to content. With us in our virtual studio is Dr. Sarah Shayette. She is a pediatric neurologist and an expert in working with kids and young adults with ADHD. She also writes about ADHD online and has authored two books uh, on the subject, Winning with ADHD and ADHD and Focused Mind, with a goal of helping young people with ADHD learn to become independent, strong, and successful. Dr. Shayette graduated from Princeton University and UCLA Medical School. She treats kids and young adults with ADHD, not just with medications, but also non-med strategies, such as those outlined in her book, ADHD and Focus Mind. She brings a powerful professional perspective on the benefits and limitations of ADHD medications, as well as behavioral adaptations for young people with ADHD must embrace to thrive in their condition. She and her husband have four kids and live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Check out Dr. Shayette's website at www.sarahchieette.com. With that, Dr. Shayette, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. I am too. When I first, uh, this actually 
I, and I cannot remember if somebody asked me to do this show on Attention Talk Radio or Attention Talk Video, but the whole genesis is, is somebody, one of our listeners, reached out. And actually, I have to look back on our archives. And after 550 shows, I'm surprised I haven't done it. So it's timely. <laughs> and when I thought about it, like you kind of came to mind as the perfect person. So I guess to begin, from your perspective, why why get a comprehensive diagnosis to begin with from your perspective? Well, Jeff, I think that the best reason is that it helps you understand how you think. I think understanding is the first step to doing anything and shaping what you want to do and be. So Mm -hmm. the best reason to get a diagnosis is so you can understand your own thought processes. I I think that's that's really, really important. Um, You know, it's there's so many people with ADHD out there, and I actually get a lot of, of, of calls for people who have written books about their experience, and they always talk about, you know, that time when they got that, that diagnosis, and there was this this level of kind of calm that comes over them, like, oh, my God, that explains it all, and then they start kind of educating, and they, they realize that they weren't like an outlier and that there's other people like that. And there's a sense of calm and a realization that they're not the only one in the world. Thoughts on that? Yeah. So when people come to my office, the first step is talking about, you know, the diagnosis and what that means. And that actually is enough for a lot of people. Um, They just want to understand themselves and they want to feel like, Hey, it's not their fault because as you know, Jeff, Adults are built from kids, and these kids, from from when they were little, they often felt that they were doing things wrong in many ways mm-hmm. because, you know, an ADHDer doesn't necessarily fit into the rest of the world quite like everyone else. But the thing about it is that after years and years of being told that they're lazy or feeling like they're lazy or feeling like there's something wrong with them, it's so nice to see them just yep. smile and relax and say it's okay it's it's not it's not uh it's not my fault it's not anything that i did wrong there's yep. a reason why i do the way i do and of course part of that is also helping people see benefits of ADHD hey mm-hmm. it caused some of your problems and we're all built to notice our problems more than our strengths. That's just the yes. way the brain is built. So, Absolutely. You know, it's like you notice all that stuff, but it's really also helpful to remind them of the ways ADHD has helped them in their social life, in their careers, whatever it is, there's good and bad to everything. Yeah. I agree. So I don't know. I believe years ago I interviewed um, Rob Tedisco. Um, on a five-part series about ADHD and the criminal justice system. And in in that conversation, it was interesting because I think, uh, like, there's three um, state prisons, and I guess there's more mental health patients in those prisons there are in any mental hospital in the country. And so, anyway, I'm saying all this stuff because somewhere along the line, I think I had heard that ADHD is the most common diagnosed mental health impairment. Are you aware of any research or statistics on that? I am not off the top of my head, but I would believe that ADHD is a reason why a lot of people wind up in the criminal justice system because of the impulsiveness and the hyperactivity. So Mm -hmm. again, with kids, 
um, you could say that, okay, they're impulsive, they're hyperactive, they misbehave, people are mad at them, but they better learn to manage their bodies because as adults, that impulsivity and hyperactivity mm-hmm. gets you in legal trouble. Yes. And so, you know, what's kind of annoying as a kid leads to impulsively stealing, impulsively hitting, impulsively doing things. And, you know, once you start down on that path, you can continue, not to mention the effects on self-esteem. So a lot of people turn to criminal stuff because they don't have a good feeling about who they are. And all all the things that we need to be successful stem from good self-esteem. And that includes believing in yourself so you can graduate high school or college Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. So, um, you know, I've often thought that uh, we were diagnosed more and understood more and accepted more. That would lead to a reduction in, you know, criminals, basically, Um, because I think people could get caught earlier and... And well, caught is not the right word, but diagnosed earlier yes. and understand themselves better. Yeah. So I want to everybody. We are going to talk a little about ADHD and stigma related to this in a second. Um, I did want to kind of share. In my years, a few people have had a few quotes that I think is really, really helpful in kind of putting this into context. And Ned Hollowell. Um, I'm going to preface this with evidence, evidence suggests, but he commonly says, if you get a proper diagnosis and treatment. You can live a very fulfilling life. And as he says, if you don't, the alternatives can be disastrous. And we're kind of alluding to that. If you don't really know what's going on, um, there are some really, really, really ugly stories out there about people with ADHD where it's untreated and their their impulsivity or their their self-regulation becomes a problem. So, again, I go back to the proper diagnosis and the proper treatment. Again, you can actually live a fulfilling life. The other quote that I want to share is Dr. David Teplin um, shared with me one time. It's hard to treat something if you don't know what you're treating. And I think that's really kind of profound because, you know, there are some people with ADHD that are diagnosed with it that actually have sleep apnea. Uh, yeah. It's kind of hard to, if you think it's ADHD and you're applying those principles and you're not getting to the core, you're really not having an impact. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. Well, you know, ADHD kind of warms its way into all aspects of life and into many psychiatric issues because its tension is something we do all the time every day. And so in terms of living a fulfilling life, I I would hope you would plan on it if you Uh are diagnosed and if you know how to manage your ADHD, whether it's with medication or non-medication strategies. It's about managing it. And if you can manage that, then you can have normal everything or better than normal everything. That means relationships with people, spouses, kids, adults, bosses, whatever. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's, there's um, you know, ADHD gets dangerous if you don't manage it and you're behind the wheel of a car or behind the stick of an airplane or whatever it is. And so, you know, that it could contribute in ways that we don't even yep. keep track of to, to you know, life issues. I tell people, I don't really care if you flunk out of school, but don't get behind the wheel of a car and think you can just, you know, be on your phone and drive fast and do whatever stuff because 
you keep telling me that you have a hard time with your attention. Do the things that make your focus better, not focus worse. So, you know, there's some real, you know, life and death types of things. And then, you know, to address your last point, too, um, you know, ADHD has associations with lack of sleep or lack of quality sleep. So either one of those two things can worsen or mimic ADHD. So sleep is really important for brain function. Even Mm -hmm. after just one night of sleep deprivation, if you took tests before and after that one night, you would see a reduction of your ability to focus and remember things whether or not you have ADHD. It's just that ADHDers who might be a little bit more marginal in the first place get into non-functioning territory at that point. Absolutely. Tell you what, Sarah, let's go to break. Um, Everybody, up to this point in time, we've been talking about just really understanding yourself. Like, oh, that is a really good explanation of kind of what's going on. I want to go in a little bit more depth after the break about some other reasons that having that diagnosis would be a good idea. Uh, For our listeners tonight, our secret word tonight is comprehensive. Again, our secret word is comprehensive. And I encourage you to visit uh, Dr. Shiat's website at www. Dot S-A-R-A-H-C-H-E-Y-E-T-T-E dot com. Her website's there. There's a lot of really good information. And um, her books can be accessed on Amazon um, and other Internet retailers. But if you just go there and just uh, search for uh, Dr. Shyette, that, and her, I'm going to spell her name, C-H-E-Y-E-T-T-E, uh, you can find her books. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be your child's greatest ally by reading the book Ned Hollowell described as a game changer, Michelle Borba referred to as the ultimate guide for parents, and Michael Thompson praised as the groundbreaking book you've been waiting for. Go to playbetterplan.com to buy a copy of Caroline McGuire's book, Why Will No One Play With Me? While you're there, subscribe to download her free mini-course on developing social skills for children. That's playbetterplan.com. Are you always late? The TimeTimer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, TimeTimer's bright red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by GigCoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Sarah Chayette having a conversation on why to get a comprehensive uh, ADHD diagnosis. Uh, Before the break, we were talking a lot about just really understanding that, oh, that explains why, um, so that you can kind of get in touch with it, um, kind of embrace some of the the learning out there, and... um, from explanation and awareness, sometimes that can be just all some people need. Um, 
But to say that another reason I think that it's important to have a comprehensive diagnosis is that uh, it depends on who you talk to, but I, to me, the, the most common answer is about 60% of the time, if you've got ADHD, you've got another condition along with it. It could be anything from OCD to bipolar, uh, depression, dyslexia, learning disability. I mean, it kind of runs the board. And what's interesting to me as a coach is, is rarely do I get anybody who walks in and tells me about those other conditions. And often I'll have people come to me and they're actually self-diagnosed with ADHD. And they'll say that they have it only to start working with them and saying, listen, something's not right here. Send them to a mental health professional and they get another diagnosis and finding out that that other diagnosis is actually an impairment. So I have had people like that before who actually had bipolar that was untreated with the ADHD mm -hmm. and we weren't moving forward and not without having that comprehensive diagnosis and you don't know those other things that are going on. It's really, really difficult. Can you share your thoughts on that? Right. Yeah. So what people think about is I can't concentrate and then they'll go online and look at diagnostic criteria or take a quiz, which is all based on the things that happen to people when they can't concentrate. But there's a lots of reasons why they can't concentrate. Probably even more common than bipolar would be just straight up anxiety and depression. And anxiety and depression are often the things they get diagnosed first, actually. Yep. And then they wind up finding that ADHD is behind it. ADHD can really warm its way into a lot of things or cause a lot of things. So, as an, you know, in adult people, then I would say that it's more rare than not to, you know, I mean, it's it's unusual if there isn't some anxiety yes. and depression because it's tough. And if you don't understand how you're thinking, it's tougher to manage. Sleep deprivation Absolutely. is also really common. So that, that, that anxiety and depression are probably the most common comorbid cre um, conditions in adults. So it's there, as as you began to say that some things kind of cropped up with me and that's depression and um, you're you're really more of an authority to speak to this but I've heard differing theories in my model in my mind is which came first depression or ADHD there's some people that literally are just they're they're it runs they are depressed in which case it's always yeah. what do you you treat whatever's primary first and if depression is primary and ADHD is secondary you treat the depression. Also, so yeah, a lot but of time, that's hard to tell. It, it you know, is. I mean, it's just hard to tell a lot of times, and 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 of course, anxiety and depression can worsen focus, and then when you have worse focus, that makes you more anxious and more depressed. So the question really is how to interrupt that negative feedback loop. Absolutely. And so going to a professional that has experience, and I want to underline experience, I'm going to come back to the second, is really important to discern those two. And the experience part, Dr. Shiat and I did an interview, I think about a year ago, where we were talking about how diagnosis takes place. And in the mental health world, typically you, there's a history, there's an examination, and then often a test. In the mental health world, there's um, a conversation about history and a review of the symptoms and a classification that takes place. And in that interview, I remember you and I are having a conversation about anxiety. It could manifest for different reasons, maybe environmentally for somebody with autism or something, but maybe more cognitively for working memory issues for people with ADHD. And having a professional to make that discerning difference is so much 
more valuable than a self-diagnosis or self-report by just saying, I have anxiety and lumping yourself because getting actually the accurate diagnosis is a bit of a challenge and why I encourage people to go do this with the help of a professional like yourself. You want to speak to that well, and add anything to it? Yeah. You know the old saying, Jeff, that uh, a doctor who treats himself has a fool for a patient, and we mm-hmm. all of us benefit from some sort of objective other person understanding and helping us put things together in ways that we weren't used to thinking of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, having a mental health professional who's the ability and willingness to take the time is real helpful. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you go to somebody who only has 15 or 20 minutes to see you in the visit, you know, they will likely ask, you know, how are you feeling? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Blah, blah, blah. Are you sleeping? Are you eating? And if the answers are, yes, I'm anxious, yes, I'm depressed, you know, whatever, it's affecting my sleep, it's affecting my appetite, you'll likely get on an antidepressant. What you need is a person who has the time and willingness to go back into how you got that way. You know, as a child, what were your issues? Before you got depressed and anxious, did you have any underlying issues with your attention? And that question is really something that um, it's hard to reach back on without getting a shove in that direction. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's see. What do I, I'm trying to think. I tell you what. Um, let's go to break right now. <laughs> you want to talk about back. Let's go to break right now. When I come back, I want to talk about the stigma. Actually, i tell you what. Before we go to break, another reason that's really, really important to get a diagnosis is a paper trail. And let me give you a a tangible example of this. Um, uh, Medications, ADHD medications, are uh, an abused drug. Cocaine is abused. Alcohol is abused. Nicotine is abused. Adderall is abused. Abused. It's abused. It's a performance-enhancing drug. We know that some athletes have taken and gotten caught. We also know that sometimes um, there's some medication diversion in college. There's a there's a market for that because because of that. And if you have ADHD later in life, if you stumble in and hey, I need I need I mean I, it's an impairment. It hasn't bothered me up at this point in time, but now I need it. Sometimes it's a problem if you don't have a paper trail. And I'll give you an example. Most professional sports, you can get a waiver to take stimulant medications. So if you're a professional baseball player or a football player or something that you can get a waiver, but to get that waiver, you have to you you have to show documentation that you've got it and have had it for a period of time so that people aren't coming in those situations faking the diagnosis in order to get the medication. And so while you might not necessarily need now, in the future, if you need, and I'm using sports because I'm familiar with that, but there's a bunch of other things where you might need accommodations, et cetera. And if you don't have that paper trail, sometimes you can't get it. So it's important to do that and stay current. That's my perspective. Is there anything you want to add to that? or? Um, yeah. Or? So, you know, basically um, starting from elementary school on, um, they often will not give you uh, accommodations without a medical diagnosis of ADHD. Now, you could look at this like, okay, child in trouble. We as a school know the child is in trouble. We will give accommodations. And why they need a letter from me, I still don't really understand. But 
you know, they, uh, a lot of schools to get the 504 or Individual Education Plan, the IEP, um, you need to have a letter saying you have a thing, a diagnosis. Um, insurance, sometimes that's an issue as well. So um, those accommodations from school are now available in many colleges as well, which is fairly new. And I think we're starting to see this in the job sector as well. Mm-hmm. I want to make a distinction here that's really, really important is because is you're exactly right. And we're going to when we come back from break. We are going to talk about stigma uh, a little bit more detail about with regard to this. But there are two sides of this coin. One of them is where you, you have it to get the accommodations that you need it. But there's sometimes it's difficult to get those accommodations if you're just coming around right now, in other words, are you doing this just because you want to get the, the performance enhancing drug or have you been a problem and you're trying to create an issue with regard to work? And if you've got a paper trail and because you didn't need it, maybe the accommodations before and you've got that, it can really, really help you in some of those situations. If you don't, it can be much more difficult to kind of to, to kind of get through the stuff to get kind of what you need. So. When we go to break, when we come back, I want to talk about the stigma side of some of the stuff because I think a lot of times people don't get the diagnosis because of that. Reminder to our audience, our secret word tonight is comprehensive. And if you're listening and you have not done, all, done so already, please visit Sarah's website at sarahshyette.com. That's www.sarahshyette.com. Uh, go check out Amazon, search for her name. Um, her books will come up, and uh, consider she's got a lot of great stuff. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now... Back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Sarah Shayat talking about uh, why get a comprehensive diagnosis. Beginning the show, it was just really simple. It, it'll explain a lot of things um, and help you get resources to manage yourself. Um, after the first break, we've been talking about other reasons to have a paper trail um, or to have some things to understand what's going on. Uh, this part, I kind of want to shift to address the stigma side of things. I know Dr. Shayat subscribes because we've had personal conversations. When people come to us, we treat the person and not the label. And we've done a show on the love-hate thing between the label because we like labels in one sense. Um, But when you have a label, 
the tendency of the world is to stop paying attention. So I, I've, I've said before, like think of a color red and I'll, you know, talk to some people and say, think about it. You probably have a shade of red in your mind, but there's an infinite number of shades of red. And I do that to kind of illustrate. So we kind of don't like to get labeled sometimes. And I understand, but we need the label as Dr. Syed had explained earlier, sometimes to get accommodations. Um, and I, I understand some of this stuff, but at the end of the day, Getting the diagnosis so that you have it when you need it, it, it can be important. And then if you if you're if you find the right professionals uh, out there, they the good ones are going to treat you as an individual, uh, not necessarily the label. And so I just want to kind of acknowledge is that there's a love hate thing between the two of these things here. But oh my one goodness, things, yeah, yeah. You, you want to comment on that? Yeah. So I mean, you know, let's take the case of accommodations. So I think it's important to have some accommodations so that you're not super stressed out. Um, You could ask why in the world does everyone have to do things the same way at the same time, you know, what there's, there are some things wrong with how the system is set up in the first place. So accommodations make sense. But like you said, there's two sides to this coin. You don't want people to just think that, all they have to do is ask for accommodations and then they don't have to change themselves. I'm a firm believer that the accommodations are on, you know, they're helping you be less stressed on your way to becoming your own best self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, working on turning things in on time. All right. Let's say you're not so hot at that in the beginning, but you can get some accommodations, but that doesn't mean that there isn't value to doing the on-time turning in as best as you can because that's going to make your life better. And so, you know, accommodations are fine, but accommodations need to include a target for you to raise your performance. And we did a show God, originally back in 2010 with Dr. Ari Tuckman talking about disclosure of ADHD. And in that interview, it was one of the things that, that really resonated with me. He talked about disclosing your symptoms and not your diagnosis. And I think at the time, he said, you know, my symptoms, I struggle with time management. So you go to people and you say, listen, you know, I, I struggle with time management. I, I always have. It's my cross to bear. I'm constantly working on it. Now, in that moment, realize yeah. we're not, he's not using it as an excuse. He's using it as an explanation and taking ownership of it. But you're not disclosing ADHD. You're just, hey, I got time management problems, so I wouldn't be offended if you want to text me to make sure that I'm on my way or something like that. And I make this Absolutely. distinction because if you get the letter yeah. for, the, for that, you can take that to HR so that you can get the accommodations. But everybody doesn't need to know the accommodations are because of ADHD. You can just say, listen, I'm, I'm doing this because my working memory's challenged or I'm having a hard time, you know, just not getting distracted by some other things. So you, if you're clever, you can use the, the, the letter to make your job or life easier and less stressful. But at the same time, we don't have to disclose this to the world. We can just acknowledge the symptoms and kind of move on. So right. make some sense or anything you want to add to that? Oh, sure. Yeah, because you're kind of saying, you know, it's a concept. Is this a medical disorder versus is this sort of personality trait? Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a concept that I don't think we in 2020 can answer very well because what, what, you know, what are you going to call it? In some respects, if you tell somebody you're distractible, you tend to procrastinate, you tend to run late, whatever it is, 
you know, that's you talking about your personal tendencies. And um, the reason it became a disorder is because it tends to cause problems. I mean, that's part of the diagnosis of mm-hmm. causing disabilities. So, but, you know, you don't necessarily want this to be wrapped into your your self-identity. Like, yep. if you if you walk around going like, I have a disorder, I have a disease, I, whatever word you're going to attach to it, you'll start to say, I can't. You'll start to feel sorry for yourself. And even just as problematic, other people are not going to expect very much yep. of you. And that is not good for your own personal self-growth. And so, you know, whether this is ultimately going to be thought of a disorder or a personality difference, whatever you want, whatever works for you, works for me. What on a medical basis, we know there is biology behind this, but there's biology behind personality differences as well. I'm a Mm -hmm. firm believer that biology is, uh, you know, a major factor in um, behavior. And so however you want to think about this is up to you if you ask me. Um, and uh, think about it in a way that gives you the biggest chance for personal growth. And don't forget, like in younger kids, their brains are still growing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can see unbelievable transformations. So a kid who will look for the world like a poster child for ADHD at age 10 or 11 or 12, um, you know, when they're 15 or 16, might be the poster child mm-hmm. for the opposite, the most focused mm-hmm. person. Yep. Like that happened to my son. Oh my gosh. When yep. he was 11 and in sixth grade, we literally made a joke in our Christmas card that he seemed to have made a machine that made homework disappear between <laughs> school and the, and the house. I mean, just the idea of him bringing home something for me to sign and bringing it back to school and handing it in, like it was laughable. But yeah. You know, when he was 13, something happened. He was studying for his black belt. That was awesome. And something came together. Wow. Um, you know, so that year I told him at the beginning of the year that I would go paintballing with him if he had, you know, under a certain amount of missed homework assignments. I think we let him have, you know, a couple oopsies uh-huh. per trimester. I never thought I would be there, but honestly, in May, there I was strapping on my paintballing yep. gear. <laughs> Touche. You know, you just sort of go like, oh, my goodness. So, you know, you, you, you don't forget that yep. as part of a diagnosis, you're doing this at a particular point in time. And so yes. um, things can change. Yeah, so I want to I wanna share – I was coaching a person with ADHD years ago who had 170 IQ. And wow. I was having this conversation with him. And the guy was actually brilliant. The, number, the, the, the level of people that he had interacted with, oh, my God, it was amazing. But anyway, needless to say, we were having a conversation one day. And basically, you have the physical properties of the world. You have just matter and you have the physical, you know, copper, zinc, and all that kind of stuff. And those physical yep. properties make up the biology of the brain. And, the, and everybody's brain is as unique as a snowflake. And, and as much as we like to think we understand things, we really kind of don't when it comes to the brain. It's, it's a fascinating type thing. Yeah. But the, the physical properties 
make up the biological properties which manifest in your thoughts and behavior. And this guy that I was coaching, and everybody, I'm not trying to sit here and say this is science. It's just an intellectual conversation. He said, well, you know, the, phys- the biological properties of your brain probably have more to do with what your has probably more of an impact on your thinking than you imagine. And he said, think of like schizophrenia. He says, they definitely think, and there's some issues that's, that's biological as a result of it that's shaping them. Because if willpower is just it, then we w- there, there wouldn't be an issue here. And I go back to the comment that you had earlier about the biology. And yeah, it's the physical properties that make up the biology. And small little differences in the brain can have an impact on you know, the, the firing of neurotransmitters, et cetera, which will manifest in behavior and thought process, which goes back more and more. We're starting to find genetic evidence that something's here. It's still more complicated than we've been able to sort our way through that stuff. But I really wanted to emphasize with this discussion as much as it's not really just biology. We know that there's something there. We're just still discovering it. Now, do you want to add anything absolutely. to that, or does is, is that make sense yeah, to you? Yeah, so okay. absolutely. And, you know, it's been about 100 years since speaking about ADHD. And I'm going to tell you that 100 years from now, they're going to look back on what we're doing, and they're going to think we are primitive. So <laughs> let's get – no, I'm serious. I agree, like, I agree. I believe we're primitive. And, and we don't think of ourselves that way. We think of ourselves as, you know, the cat's meow. but. Yep. I think someday, you know, for a di- they are going to throw these DSM criteria into a large wastebasket with all the other psychiatric diagnostic yep. criteria, and I believe it's going to be that they're going to run your blood through the machine or, or, you know, do the machine that looks at the chemicals in your brain, which we're, you know, we really don't have right now or whatever it is to help you understand and they're going to do things in ways we just don't yep. get. I couldn't yes, agree with you more. You are a, yeah, you're a product of your biology, but you can also shape your biology. Yep. So if you can come up with some willpower and some determination to do things different from how your biology is pointing you to, then, you know, it's like muscles. The more you strengthen certain brain connections, the more that they get yep. stronger. And so, yes. you know, it's, yeah, it's, yes. it's so, so I want to highlight that everybody, everything. what she's talking about is neuroplasticity. We, we have evidence that if you pay attention to things differently over an extended period of time, your physical brain starts to change. Now, to what extent it's a ver- variable, but uh, we've done some stuff on neuroplasticity. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just kind of want to weave oh, that no, back no, in no, for our no, listeners. No, 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 no. So, so I, 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 do, I, do want... I just don't want people thinking there is no ability to change, even if it's biological. It's biological with an ability to change things. Absolutely. So one last topic that I want to cover before we wrap this things up is another reason to get a comprehensive diagnosis is if you have a comprehensive diagnosis, you then have the possibility of ADHD medications. And I want to, there's a few things that I want to highlight in this. I am not pro-medication. At all, I am pro-education, and I do, Dr. Shayette, so many people come to me, and I ask them about meds, and they don't, they're like, I don't want to take meds, and they, they, they really can't explain why. They're just kind of anti-med, and there's a few things that I want to share with regard to this topic. Again, I'm not anti, I'm not pro-med, but I am anti-suffering, and I know I take thyroid medication, and I take high blood pressure medication. The reason I do is I have a better quality of life. That's the reason I take it. 
And often people with ADHD is you can have a better quality of life if you get the diagnosis and if meds can help you. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a, there's a, Rick Green did a great job at Totally ADD. They have a, a DVD documentary on meds in the second of the DVD that they talked about there are potentially long-term implications of taking stimulant medications, but they covered the long-term implications of not. And one of the things that I think will resonate with you is you have that kid with ADHD who's going along and they're told to sit down, stop, sweat wiggling constantly. The negative um, comments to them actually kind of programs uh, their self-esteem and stuff and can have some really bad long-term effects and, and can, can create a problem. And so sometimes getting this diagnosis enables you to do this so that you can make some adjustments to have a better quality of life. Thoughts on that? Yeah. So I'm not pro-meds or pro-whatever. I'm pro-quality of life. I am I am pro-great come because you only get to live once and you might as well have a great one. And so for me, whatever way you're comfortable with in getting to that great outcome is how I want to support you. For some people, the medications are an important part of it. For other people, they're not. And um, like you said, uh, some people sort of come at it with a, I don't want meds. I, I think that's fine, but you don't want to make decisions based on just an emotional feeling. You really yes. want to say, I don't want to because, and if you cannot fill out the rest of the sentence, you need to spend a few minutes thinking about this. You you should have a reason that makes you decide something rather than, uh, you know, like two-year-olds, they decide based on an emotional uh, feeling and you are um, not a two-year-old. So, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, well played. Right? So, um you know, the thing about it is whatever it takes to get you to that great quality of life is what I hope you're aiming for. And if you're not aiming for that, then we need to talk about your self-esteem and why you don't believe you can get there. And, you know, you really, really need to have some hopefulness in order to make any good decisions about yourself because otherwise you're making them based on depression and negative self-esteem. So the first thing would be to establish some hope and to see a better future for yourself. Mm. You know, I strung some stuff together with what you just said logically that I'm going to ask you, I'm going to to share a concept and I'm going to ask you, Dr. Sheriff, see if we can kind of normalize this because it's going to come across as maybe a little negative or or pro-med. But one of the things that I've learned in my years of coaching people with ADHD is um, emotion is a reflexive reaction. And our society, politicians, the news media, and corporate America has learned to kind of prey on those emotions. And when we are emotional, what we have a tendency to do is skip over the thinking part and just jump to the conclusion um, or to dwell yep. on some outcomes. And I'm not going to say it because I don't want to add fuel for the fire, but there's a, there's a couple of writers nationally that have written some articles, some very derogatory articles about ADHD and specifically stimulant medications. And in a sense, what they've done is demonize them. And they literally have used some situations on some people that OD'd um, uh, with ADHD medications. And there were some questions if the person even had it. Certainly, it's an abused drug. But that demonization of it creates an emotion in people, and they jump to the conclusion that uh, medications are all bad. And there was a blog written 
it's on the Chad website, and I, I for, uh, cannot remember the odds. Terry Maitland and somebody else. But their argument was interesting is that that's really a negative thing in our world, this demonization, because there's so many physicians out there and the general public that look at meds as this demonized type thing. It becomes the, the, the intervention of last resort when everything is hit rock bottom. They go, oh, wow, you might try the meds. And, and the blog that they wrote was fascinating to me in as much as that literally it's been demonized and stigmatized to the point in time there's people who could really benefit from it that aren't because of that emotion around it. Now, I said all that stuff because it's not a plug because I, I, I support a lot of people. I can coach them without meds or maybe they just do here, there, and yonder. But on the other side of it, I'm just addressing that emotional thing is the demonization. And sometimes you have to pause and say, hey, there's, there could be some benefit in here. So, Zane, you want to – your thoughts on that concept of yeah. the emotional oh, – go yeah. ahead. Yeah. So, um, first of all, Jeff, I think that, you know, um, this, this attitude towards meds or no meds, it, it also varies depending on where you are in the country. Some areas of the country are more likely to do meds than others. Um, interestingly enough. And mm-hmm. again, if you can do it without meds, that's fine. I am going to be the first to tell you that the meds I prescribe have some good things about them and have some bad things about them. Um, you know, there's nothing that's all one way or the other, so there's nothing that should be demonized or, on the other hand, sainted. You know, St. Mm-hmm. Ritalin doesn't exist because Ritalin has some bad side effects for some people. But I can fire back, and I know I can fire back with more examples of people whose lives have been turned around by the medications. I spoke to one yesterday. He mm-hmm. was uh, 45 years old, and I met him two years ago, and he's been on Vivance for two years. And he has seen orders of magnitude jumps in his relationship with other people and also in his career. He told me everything is coming together And, um, you know, that just made me so happy to hear him have success. And, you know, yes, you can get addicted to medications, but more people are probably prevented by, you know, the the medications probably lead to less addiction over time because you're more likely to get addicted to whatever if you have poor Mm self-esteem and if you've heard negative things about yourself and if you don't have any belief in yourself. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, don't, don't, I I, I am suspicious of somebody who is all one way or all the other. I think that they are, they are trying to promote their own uh, viewpoint. And of course, the more arresting and the more extreme, you'll probably get more attention for that. But there is, you know, the the boring but real-life truth yep. is that you're not going to find anything that um, uh, is all good, no bad, but these medications can have such a good yep. slash bad ratio that if you, yep. if you feel like your life would benefit, go ahead. Um, Absolutely. You know, you're not going to get addicted unless you take them not as directed. You're not going to have... Uh, any idea about what you're doing to your brain long term because you can't, you know, it's hard to compare that to when you're not on medication. Yes. You know, what what is that doing to your life if you're constantly struggling? What is that doing yep. to your brain? You know, your brain has two pieces of it, basically. It has an anxiety piece and it has a thinking piece. And like you said, or 
when I say anxiety, emotional. So when you are thinking in an emotional way, it physically turns off the thinking and the rational part of your brain. This is how we're wired. So mm-hmm. if you're making decisions on an emotional basis, you need to know you're not doing that with thinking. Absolutely. And it would be in your best interest to learn how to turn that emotional part off before you make decisions. I agree. I agree. Uh, real quickly, for those that want to learn more about um, stimulants, both uh, abused, dependency, or addictive, we did an interview with Dr. Anthony Rostain. All you have to do is Google Attention Talk Radio and Rostain, and there's a whole show that's dedicated to that. You might feel kind of fascinating. So, uh, Dr. Shia, we start off the show, why to get a comprehensive diagnosis? And I think at the beginning, you like, basically to explain things. And from my perspective, it's because if you have ADHD, you get a proper diagnosis, you get the proper t- treatment, you can really live a fulfilling life. And explaining, understanding, and really living a fulfilling life, and the absence of that, some really bad things can happen, I think is a really good reason uh, to do this. I will also say is that we've talked about diagnosis, and a little over a year ago, I interviewed um, – uh, Dr. Russ Ramsey from the University of Pennsylvania, and we brought him on the show specifically to talk about um, his witnessing of ADHD coaching as an intervention over a period of time. And it was funny, he, he, you know, he, was, he was very complimentary, but what was interesting from that show is that he, he really credited coaches with um, getting information out in more fun, unique ways. So you take a look at like Jessica McCabe on How to ADD or Rick Green at Totally ADD and some of the other things that are out there. More and more people are destigmatizing this because of the conversation. And to Dr. Shayette's credit, you're a thought leader because you're the one of the, the people that are coming out here and helping us provide, you know, research-based or medically-based or clinically-based stuff to validate some of those things. And I think that you're right. In 100 years from now, they're going to look back and say this is kind of completely different. But at the same time, we are – in my years doing this podcast, I've seen ADHD become very destigmatized over the last 10 years. There's a long way to go, but things are starting to move. And so with all that, I just really want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your perspective. Oh, thanks, Jeff. As always, I enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Everybody, go check out uh, Sarah's website at Sarah, uh, C-H-E-Y-E-T-T-E dot com. Go to Amazon, Google her name, and check out her books. And everybody, our secret word tonight is comprehensive. With that, catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. Mm-hmm.